Thanks for joining us for today's edition of Lessons for Living. His word so fresh in our hearts abound. His word made flesh in the here and now. A new life is beginning. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. What does it mean to be a follower of Jesus? Does that mean that I'm supposed to change? That I'm actually to be transformed to become more like Him? I mean, is that really a realistic expectation? Or can I just be comfortable going through the external motions? A guy that really doesn't relate to his wife, can't love her, can't respond to her, can't meet her needs, a wife that can't the husband. What does it mean to follow Jesus Christ? Sadly, some people believe it is nothing more than hell insurance, or I get my ticket to heaven and go on living my life the way I want. That's not following Jesus. In today's message, Pastor Mark challenges us to become followers of Christ with an expectation to be changed. Jesus transforms lives in a good way. Will it be hard at times? Of course it will. But God wants to transform us into the image of His Son, Jesus Christ. And that is the best you you can be. Are you a follower of Christ? Will you welcome being changed into what God wants you to be? Remember, there's quite a few ways to receive a copy of Pastor Mark's teaching. We'll be sharing all that information with you at the close of this broadcast. Now, here's Pastor Mark in the Gospel of Matthew as he begins his message entitled, Why Church? Five Commitments. Turn to Matthew 16. You've just been given the responsibility to educate a student who has come from the jungles of Africa, never seen anything in America, totally unfamiliar with anything that you and I are. He's never seen a donut. He's never seen a pet. He's never even heard about a football team. How would you describe to this man what a donut looked like? What words would you use? Well, let me give you a couple examples. Here you are. So you could explain to him what a donut is, couldn't you? You could say, well, there it is. It's got that chocolate on side. And you could definitely, after this, he he would know, he would know what what a donut looked like. And then you say to him, well, you know, in America, we have uh, pets. He says, a pet? What, what is a pet? So you can explain to that person what a pet is. And then you say to the young man, you know, we do something that I'm sure you didn't do in the jungles. We, uh, on the weekends, and then sometimes during the week, we go to uh, church. He says, what? We go to a church. He said, well, what is a church? And you have to explain to him what a church is. Could you explain what a church means? You see, before we started this series called Why Church, many of us were under the illusion that a church was a building. But amazingly, 
When Jesus died for the next about 250 to 300 years, the churches had no buildings. And so we've learned over the last few weeks that a church, oh, it does have walls. That's true. But really, most church is done outside the church, in the homes, in the buildings, in the businesses, in the schools this week. See, the church is without walls. And we learned last week to take the church, which is really people, to the streets. Now, Jesus kind of gave us a definition of that church. Let's take a look at the definition, and you could maybe explain this to this young man and say, let me define for you, not just in visual, but let, let me put into words what the church is. Well, we learned that a church is a living organism. It's a body of believers, followers of Jesus, who really been formed and, and, and chosen to carry out God's purposes. Well, as you begin to explain that to him, it wouldn't be long in this little definition that he'd have a struggle. Because as he got to believers and followers of Jesus, he would probably say, what does that look like? What does a, a believer, a Christian, a, a follower of Jesus look like? Well, we know what a donut looks like. We know what a dog looks like. What does a Christian look like? What does a believer look like? The problem is, in America today, the vast majority of people call themselves Christians, believers, followers of Christ. But what they do, how they live, doesn't match the title. Let me ask you, how could you call yourself a Christian, a believer, a follower of Jesus, if this morning you're constantly taking drugs? You're hooked. Crack cocaine. You're alcohol dependent. You're a business owner and you've been cheating your employees by shortening them for a long time. You're a worker and you say to your co-worker, please clock me out because, you know, I've got to go home and read the Bible. And they know you call yourself a Christian. Could you be a Christian today? You, you've had it off to college this, uh, this week and you're living with your girlfriend or boyfriend and you're having sex and you both call yourselves Christian. Oh, absolutely. We're Christians. Or you're married and you're, you're right in, your wife doesn't know your husband. You're right in the middle of an affair. Oh, and you're a Christian. Oh, absolutely going to heaven. Wow, terrific. Or you're in the home this week as a mom and a neighbor comes over and for the next two hours you gossip and talk about somebody and you really lie about that person. And then you say to them, oh, please follow me to church, man. We've got this great church and got a great kids ministry and it's a wonderful kids. We see the, the definition of what a follower of Jesus Christ and the actual lifestyle doesn't match. And it causes all kinds of problems. Well, you're going to see today in our teaching that, well, Jesus is going to say to us, if you call yourself a believer, a Christian, you're going to have to, you're going to have to really do these three things. And this is going to be really good for you and for me because it clarifies a lot of stuff. As we go through, we begin in Matthew 16. And as you think about this, I want you to think about a couple things. One is, before Jesus came to this earth, there was no thing called a Christian. Why? Because Jesus wasn't here yet. 
You couldn't be Christ-like because there was no Christ. And so as the world began in the New Testament, Jesus took 12 men and he said to them, come and follow me. And as you come and follow me, I'm going to reproduce my life in you. In other words, what I look like, what I do, you're going to do. I'm going to show you how to do that. And then we learned last week that when Jesus went off to heaven, he said to the people that were remaining, the followers, now you're going to take my ministry and my message to the streets. You're going to continue the ministry of Jesus. Now, how does that work? And what really does that look like? Let me try to explain it to you very quickly. And maybe you're even a Christian and you've been a Christian and, and you're not really plugged in yet. Well, how do you do that? Five C's, five ways for you to get yourself plugged in and growing and maturing. C number one, commit. Commit to be a growing follower of Jesus. We'll define that for you this morning, exactly how that works. Number two, celebrate. We'll talk about number two and maybe number three next week. Celebrate and live the fulfilling lifestyle. Connect to others in personal, vibrant relationships. You see, you don't do this world alone. The body of Christ functions together as a unit, as a family. We, we hang together. Number four, communicate the good news to everyone everywhere. That's what we talked about last week, taking it to the streets. That never changes. See, the world out here doesn't know that you can have a peace. Doesn't matter what plane you get on. Doesn't matter how bad the world's going to get. You can have a peace to know when you die, you're going to have an end right here. Number two, you can learn to celebrate life. Oh, no, it isn't all mountaintops. Sure, there's valleys. Sure, there's difficulty. But in the end, I win. I know it's going to be okay. And so we get together, we hang together, we communicate this to the world that doesn't have a clue what's happening here. And number five, contribute. You see, God saved us to contribute. And we have time, and we have talents, and we have gifts, and we have money, and we have possessions. And God says, well, you're going to have to contribute your time and your passions and your talents and your possessions. That's what this whole thing is about. So if you call yourself a believer, a Christian, a follower, we're going to learn the three ways to you to judge yourself. See, you have to evaluate yourself against those five things. Evaluate yourself and say, am I committed? Am I celebrating? Am I connected? Am I communicating? Do I contribute? Am I doing this? We'll give you the three keys for the follower of Jesus. And then you begin to evaluate your lifestyle. And as you do that, then you join other Christ followers. And we're going to turn our world upside down. That's what this is all about. Now, let me read you a story this morning. We'll call the man Hank. I'll call the woman Sarah. I'm going to use Hank because that's what the story's written about. But if you're a woman, you just put your name in as Sarah. And I want you to listen to this and see if it brings any kind of memory to you about your life. Let's call him Hank. He has attended church since he was a boy, and now he is in his 60s. He was known by everyone, but no one really knew him. He had difficulty loving his wife. His children could not speak freely with him. They felt no affection from him. Now, Hank was not concerned for the poor, and actually he had little tolerance for those outside the church and tended to judge those inside the church very harshly. One day an elder of the church said, Hank, are you happy? 
Without smiling, Hank responded, yes. And the elder replied, then tell your face. <laughs> you see, Hank's outside demeanor mirrored a deep and much more tragic reality. Hank was not changing. In fact, Hank was not being transformed. But even more remarkable, nobody in the church was surprised by this. No one called an emergency meeting of the Board of Elders to consider the strange case of a person who wasn't changing. No one really expected Hank to change. So no one was surprised when it didn't. Oh, there were other expectations in the church. People did expect Hank to attend services. They did expect Hank to read the Bible. They did expect him to affirm right beliefs. And of course, to give some money, some tithes, and from time to time to work around the church. Oh, that was expected. But people did not expect day by day, month by month, and decade by decade, that Hank would be more transformed into the likeness of Jesus. People didn't expect that he would become progressively more loving more joyful and more winsome. No, they, they were not shocked when Hank didn't change and Hank wasn't transformed in his likeness of Jesus. Well, why are we here? Do we just do church with no expectations? Listen to Dallas Willard. How many people are radically and permanently repelled from the way, Christians, by Christians who are unfeeling, stiff, unapproachable, boring, lifeless, obsessive, and dissatisfied. Yet such Christians are everywhere. And what they are missing is this wholesome livingness springing up from a balanced vitality within the freedom of God's loving rule. Spirituality wrongly understood or pursued is a major source of human misery and rebellion against God. What does it mean to be a follower of Jesus? Does that mean that I'm supposed to change? That I'm actually to be transformed to become more like him? I mean, is that really a realistic expectation? Or can I just be comfortable going through the external motions? A guy that really doesn't relate to his wife, can't love her, can't respond to her, can't meet her needs. A wife that can't, the husband. And have no really relationship with my kids except surface kind of stuff. When I come to church, oh, I'll bring my Bible once in a while. But I, I mean, I really am not growing. I'm not maturing. The first thing we're going to talk about today is commit to be a growing follower of Jesus Christ. That is Jesus' expectation, and we can't settle for anything less. Let's begin in Matthew 16, verse 21. From that time on, Jesus began to explain to his disciples that he, here's the word I'll focus on in a moment, must go to Jerusalem and suffer Many things at the hands of the elders and the chief priests and the teachers of the law, and that he must be killed and on the third day be raised to life. Now, Jesus is about three or four months from dying. He knows it. He's been sharing with the disciples that he's going to the cross, but they haven't really understood it. So here he shocks them and he says, I'm going to suffer, I'm going to be murdered, and on the third day I'll be raised to life. Now, notice 
What he says here in verse 21, he says, he must go. Watch me, watch me. Here's the cross. What that verse means is, Jesus knew he had to go to the cross. Must go is is not this self-determination. He was just willingly submitting to what God wanted him to do. He knew why he came to this earth. So he says, I must go. It's the will of God. You see, Jesus always submitted to the will of God. In fact, we often hear Jesus say this, I didn't come to this earth to do my will, but I came to do God's will. A key term in in Scripture in living our lives from Jesus is this term submission. Write the definition down this morning. It'll help us to, to bring this teaching together. Submission is a willing attitude plus an action that wants to cooperate. Let me give you how idea that works. If you have children at home, you probably from time to time have to give those children a timeout because they're not behaving. And I know it's because they're matching your wife or whatever. No, 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 it's probably you, husband, that they're matching. So you say to them, go stand in the corner and wait there for the timeout. So your little four-year-old goes and stands in the corner. As he's there, he's standing in the corner. He is submitted. No, he's only partially submitted. Because inside, you don't hear it. He's saying this. I'm standing in the corner, but I'm sitting down. You say, my child wouldn't do that. Yeah, it came from you. He would. So is that submission? No. Because it's an action, but no what? Willing attitude. So you have to have both of those. It's a willing attitude to want to cooperate. So Jesus shocks his disciples with this. They don't get it. A couple weeks ago, we told you that when Jesus built his church on the rock, the rock was not Peter. The rock was Jesus Christ. I'm so glad this morning the church is not built on a man. It's not built on me. I fail. I'm so glad to tell you this morning it isn't built on Peter because you're going to see Peter fail right here in verse 22. Notice Peter's response. Peter took him aside. At least he did it privately. And he began to rebuke him. That word rebuke means to censure, to admonish, to forbid. And he said, and I'll put it in our terms, no way, Lord. Now that's an oxymoron. Let me put another term. No way, boss. Boss comes and he says, I want you to do this. No way. You're my boss. I don't obey you. That's an oxymoron. Peter says, this shall never happen to you. See, Peter didn't believe the Messiah would suffer and die. No way. And so he boldly and bluntly tries to set Jesus straight. Can you imagine setting Jesus straight? <laughs> well, that's what Pete does. How is Jesus going to respond to this? Look at verse 23. Jesus turned and said to Peter, get behind me, Satan. Now, aren't you glad the church isn't formed on Peter? Get behind me, Satan. You are a stumbling block to me. You do not have in mind the things of God, but the things of man. We're reminded in this verse, a key principle we learned last week. We're in a war against Satan and sin. Life is not a playground. Right here, Peter is tempted by Satan and Satan wins, and Peter blows it big time. Can anybody relate 
to Peter. Anybody? Yes. You can relate to him, can't you? Aren't you glad the church wasn't built on you? Absolutely. It was built on Jesus who never failed. So in this response, you know what Jesus is saying is when he came to the earth and he started his ministry around 30, a few days after he was baptized, actually immediately after he was baptized, he was taken in the wilderness and for 40 days and 40 nights, Satan tempted him. Watch this. And Satan said to him, I know you're on the way to the cross. And that's going to cause you to suffer. If you'll just bow down to me right now, I'll give you the world and you don't have to go to the cross. And what is Peter saying? Here's Jesus getting ready to cross. Peter's right here. Peter, Jesus on his way to cross. And Peter's saying, whoa, whoa, whoa. You're not going this way. Why does he call him Satan? Because that's exactly what Satan did about two years before. You're not going to the cross. You don't need to go to the cross, Peter says. And what Jesus says to Peter is, get out of my way. I'm going where God told me to go. And Pete, you're in my way. You're a stumbling block in my way. So Jesus gives three corrections to Peter. Now, since you've already admitted that you blow it and I blow it like Peter, these would be three good things to write down. Number one, Jesus says to Peter, get behind me. What is he saying? Followers of Jesus, this is very complicated, so let's see if we can follow it. Followers of Jesus follow God. They don't lead God. They don't lead God. Now, to follow means to accept the guidance, the command, the direction from the leader. It simply means to follow. And I'm going to give you a statement, but I want you to understand something this morning. We have complicated Christianity too much. Christianity can just be stated in really two words. Just write it down. Follow me or follow Jesus. That's what Christianity is. Follow me or follow Jesus. It's not complicated. It's a person that you follow. He's the boss. We submit to him, his plan, his rule for our life. That's all it is. It's not complicated. It's not church membership. It's not all this jazz. It's follow me. So followers of Jesus, they follow God. They don't lead. That's what Jesus is trying to say to Pete. Hey, Pete, get out of my way. Quit taking the lead. Get behind me and let me follow through what God chose for me. Number two, he says to Peter, don't be a stumbling block. What is Jesus saying? Followers of Jesus live as stepping stones, not stumbling blocks. Peter had been the stone that was on this foundation with Jesus. Again, one of the many little stones. Now he becomes a stumbling stone. What is a stumbling block? What does that really mean in our lives? You see, when I don't live by God's plan, I stumble other people. Christianity is really not complicated. It's us following Jesus Christ. In today's message, Pastor Mark talked about what it takes to follow Jesus. It takes submission. Submission is a willing attitude that wants to cooperate. It should describe us if we profess to be followers of Christ. Pastor Mark shared that followers of Christ do just that. They follow. They don't lead. Are you leading or are you following Jesus? Thanks so much for joining us today. Pastor Mark will continue to go through this series in the next edition of Lessons for Living. 
To add today's message to your study library, simply log on to LessonsForLivingRadio.com and select the Order a Message option from the main menu. The cost for each CD is $5, and that includes shipping. Again, to place an order for a CD, simply log on to LessonsForLivingRadio.com and select the Order a Message option from the main menu. Christianity requires commitment. It's one thing to be involved. It's another thing to be committed. In the next edition of Lessons for Living, Pastor Mark challenges us with key commitments of the Christian life. The commitment to deny ourselves, the commitment to take up our cross, and the commitment to follow Jesus daily. Jesus is committed to reproducing himself in you. Are you as committed to thinking and acting like Jesus Christ? Well, that's all the time we have for today's broadcast. From all of the production team here at Lessons for Living, we want to say thank you for joining us today. And may God bless you. And together, let's do life right. in a herd